Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. As always, the podcast is brought to you by my sponsors, Liquidware and Goliath Technologies. If you enjoy the podcast each week, you have them to thank. Typically, the podcast is pretty short form each week. This week's episode is going to be a little bit longer because there's quite a lot of news to cover. And with that, let's cover some of the news. This week's Patch Tuesday saw two Windows Zero Day vulnerabilities fixed, and in total, up to 74 security fixes were provided. Both of the Zero Days are elevation of privilege vulnerabilities impacting Win32K, a core component of the Windows operating system. An attacker who successfully exploited this vulnerability could run arbitrary code in kernel mode. An attacker could then install programs, view, change, or delete data, or create new accounts with full user rights. So basically, all the characteristics of your usual zero days. And now some bad news. If you are a Sophos customer, you'll want to sit tight right now. Do not deploy the April updates to any of your Windows 7, Windows 8.1, Server 2008 R2, Server 2012, or Server 2012 R2 machines that are running Sophos Endpoint Security and Control or Sophos Central Endpoint Standard or Advanced. Unfortunately, the April patches with either of these products can cause your machines to freeze. If you did already deploy the patches but have not rebooted, do not reboot. Remove the update first. If you experience the freezing after patching and rebooting, you'll have to do the following. 1. Boot into safe mode. 2. Disable the Sophos antivirus service. 3. Boot into normal mode. 4. Uninstall the Windows KB. And 5. Enable the Sophos antivirus service. You may have noticed Windows 10 was not listed as one of the affected operating systems, so it seems pretty timely to give a friendly reminder that Windows 7 support ends in just 8 months. ZDNet have reported that Microsoft is set to change how Windows 10 disconnects USB storage devices. Today, the default setting is for better performance. From Windows version 18.09, the default will become quick removal. The good news is there will be no more cumbersome, lengthy process to safely remove your USB thumb drives. The bad news is that Windows won't cache disk writes anymore, meaning that data moved to an external storage device might take longer to transfer. You will continue to be able to change the setting, however, on your device. So if you'd prefer the current better performance setting and just safely removing your USB thumb drives, you can set that. For more information on this, check out KB4495263. Some Windows 10 users got a little freaked out recently when they got a notification that stated, quote, this test notification with the word this unfortunately misspelled as T-H-S-I. Understandably, when people saw that notification that was misspelled, people thought it could be from an untrusted source. In fact, users received up to three of these test notifications. Microsoft late last week clarified, stating, quote, due to a configuration error in the Windows 10 News app notifications, the English edition, some customers reported seeing test notifications. The issue was resolved on March 29th via configuration update for existing versions. 
We have also released a new version of the app that addresses the issue. The notification does not affect the application or use, and this issue should now be resolved. So a pretty minor issue with a happy ending and clarification from Microsoft. I guess somebody made a boo-boo. I covered reports of the pre-preview of the Chromium-based Microsoft Edge browser. Well, now you can get your own hands on it as the public preview of the Chromium-based Microsoft Edge browser is now available for Windows 10 insiders. There are plenty of opinions on Twitter, Reddit, and more. I only just started using it, so I'm going to withhold giving my opinion for now. Microsoft are requesting uh, that you test and provide feedback, so go forth and try to break. They've also stated on their site that a Mac version will be released in the future. The May 2019 Windows updates are now available to those in the fast ring. For more info on one of the major changes introduced in this update, check out last week's episode of this podcast, episode 66. I cover some changes to how you can handle the Windows 10 update cadence. I'll also provide a link to some information on some of the additional changes in this update. CRN.com reported that Hewlett-Packard Enterprise and Nutanix have formed a first-ever strategic partnership that channel partners say is taking aim at Dell EMC and VMware's market share leadership in servers and hyper-converged infrastructure. I could see why they think that. The two vendors are creating a new line of integrated appliances that would allow partners to sell HPE ProLiant and Apollo servers with Nutanix's software on top, which will enable customers to purchase an integrated turnkey HPE Nutanix solution. I might be wrong, but I believe EMC actually has a somewhat turnkey Nutanix solution already too. And now HPE is getting that. So I think it's pretty significant for Nutanix. They keep aligning these key partnerships. I covered on previous episodes of the podcast when they acquired Frame, but it's really impressive to me that they seem to be building out their organization quite significantly and don't necessarily seem to be positioning themselves to get acquired by anyone in particular. What was interesting in the article was that when questioned if Nutanix's relationship with Dell EMC has changed, Greg Smith of Nutanix said, quote, all other OEM relationships do not change. Which I think kind of makes sense because like I said, I believe EMC actually do have a partnership with Nutanix too for one of their appliances. And now for something completely different. Slack is getting a new Outlook calendar and mail app, an updated OneDrive app, and users will now be able to preview Office files directly within Slack. TechRadar reported that the company is making it easier to keep track of all your meetings and calendar invites by just bringing them into Slack through the new Outlook calendar app. Reminders to join Skype, Web, WebEx, or Zoom meetings will also appear, and the Outlook calendar app will now be able to set your Slack status automatically based on your calendar, including setting out of office. It might sound like small little cosmetic things, but to me, this is pretty significant. This makes Slack even more of an enterprise-friendly solution. And it's interesting that its integration with Microsoft's productivity suite when Microsoft 
is championing their own team's product that's kind of a Slack competitor that is making Slack an even more viable enterprise product. So that's pretty cool to see. Citrix posted an update about the internal network breach that I covered on a previous episode. For a quick recap, they disclosed that the FBI notified them of a potential breach. This was a breach of their internal network, so not necessarily of their cloud services or products. Not much other information had been forthcoming until now. In the update, Citrix have stated they have brought in multiple leading cybersecurity firms to assist their internal team with the work. They are also continuing to work with the FBI, which I know some people speculated that the FBI just notified them and then kind of just walked away and was like, hey, we noticed this. You guys should probably deal with it. It sounds like they're continuing to work with the FBI. Citrix have stated based on the investigation, they identified password spraying, a technique that exploits weak passwords as the likely method by which the threat actors enter their network, which was already information forthcoming. They have taken measures to expel the threat actors from their systems. Additionally, they performed a forced password reset throughout the Citrix corporate network and improved internal password management protocols. Good of them to be honest about that. Maybe suggesting that maybe their password management protocols weren't up to scratch. They've also stated they have found no indication that the threat actors discovered and exploited any vulnerabilities in Citrix products or services to gain entry, which actually confirms my assumption when reporting on this story a few weeks ago. It's purely their internal network. And also, they state, based upon the investigation to date, there is no indication that the security of any Citrix product or service was compromised by the threat actors. The investigation will continue, and Citrix have promised to provide more updates in the future. If you are using or testing the Citrix Ready Workspace Hub or its predecessor, the HDX Ready Pi, you now have a Citrix casting feature that provides a number of configurations that enables new use cases with significant advantages over a traditional PC or think client. There's a pretty cool demo video showing the casting capabilities and the Citrix post details casting from iPhones, Android phones, Android tablets, iPads, Macs, and PCs. So pretty cool stuff. AndroidPolice.com has reported that Google Chrome 75 will support lazy loading by default. Essentially, it ensures anything out of frame on a web page doesn't load until you scroll down to view it. Somewhat similar to how some mobile browsers already work today. They state the content of the page should most likely be fully loaded before you even scroll down completely. Netgear just introduced its Nighthawk AX4 router. The industry's first mainstream dual-band, four-stream Wi-Fi 6 router. The Nighthawk AX4 stands out for being Gig Plus capable, meaning it's designed to use 160 MHz channel bandwidth so that you can get true gigabit speeds. The product release states that with the dual-band, four-stream router, you can start experiencing the benefits of Wi-Fi 6 in an affordable way, with the performance and coverage boost compared to legacy Wi-Fi 5, routers, and powered by Intel's home Wi-Fi chipset WAV 600 series. If you're not familiar with Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 6 compatible devices should start to roll out in Q2 of 2019, so pretty much now. 
In a blog post, Intel stated that you can also get a boost by connecting gigabit Wi-Fi capable PCs to Wi-Fi 6 routers right away. For example, when connecting 8th gen Intel Core processor based PCs with integrated gigabit Wi-Fi to a gig plus compatible router, such as the Nighthawk AX4, you can get the true gigabit speeds. And for those who don't necessarily have those 8th gen Intel Core processor machines yet, you can be rest assured that Wi-Fi 6 routers have backward compatibility to support your devices that have older Wi-Fi. So you could get the router now with an intention to upgrade your devices in the next year or two to fully take advantage of the speeds and still use your older devices today. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing security expert and fellow Citrix CTP Jason Koble with Jerry and Gibson for the Frontline Chatter podcast. It's an awesome chat. You'll learn some really useful quick steps to make yourself more secure in your digital presence and hear about some of his adventures and misadventures as a pen tester. I'll share a link to that interview with this episode of the 5 Bytes Podcast, which is episode 67 on 5bytespodcast.com. Thanks to Barry Brown on Twitter, who said it may actually be the best episode of Frontline Chatter Podcast ever. That was really cool to hear. If you've never checked out the Frontline Chatter podcast, this could be a great episode to give it a first try. I'm pretty sure that everyone will learn something, and it's something that you don't even need to be seasoned techie to get something out of. Master Packager, which I covered on the podcast for the first time ever a few weeks ago, just released version 19.2.1, and it comes with a new template CMD to VBS feature, which they showcased at Zenapp Blog's Virtual Expo, which looked really, really cool. There's an improved build UX for Repackager, up to two times faster capturing speed, and several bug fixes. And now for this episode's hot job. Round Tower is looking for a pre-sales technical engineer with expertise in Microsoft Cloud Productivity or Cloud Platform Competency. The person will be comfortable architecting solutions around Office 365, Active Directory, SCCM, and R in Tune, Azure Active Directory, and Azure. The position just dates its US open location, so I'm guessing this is remote, or at least it's the possibility of remote. Desired skills include MCSC, or Certification in Azure Cloud Platform, MCSC Office 365 Cloud Productivity Certification, Expertise with, obviously, Office Pro Plus, Office 365, SharePoint, Exchange, Windows Server, Active Directory, Azure Active Directory, Power BI, and more. You should have 10 plus years working with the above technologies, which some of these technologies may not even be 10 years old, or if they are, you really have to be an early adopter to meet that criteria. So I'm guessing that's probably not a hardline criteria. You should also have five plus years of pre-sales experience, experience migrating clients to Office 365, and experience with Active Directory upgrades. I'll share a link for anyone who's interested in applying with this episode. Again, episode 67 under reference links on 5bytespodcast.com. And now this episode's weekly webinar. A few weeks ago, Tim Mangan hosted an excellent MSIX webinar with Flexera that I highlighted on this uh, show. The transcript from the Q&A from that webinar has been posted online for all to see. 
and Tim will be presenting another MSIX webinar next week. In part two, you'll learn highlights of part one, options available in the deploying and publishing of MSI packages to Microsoft Store, Store for Business, Config Manager, Pre-Deployment and Imaging, and PowerShell. You'll also learn about caveats in deployment, the MSIX container itself, understanding the package support framework, and probably most importantly, you'll have the time to ask Tim and some of the folks from Flexera questions about MSIX. The webinar, or part two of the webinar, will be held on April 18th at 1 p.m. Central, or April 19th at 10 a.m. BST, or again on April 23rd at 10 a.m. BST. If you can't attend, you can still register to get the recording. And now for this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. There is an excellent article on Sol, S-U-L covering use of FS logics in a Citrix PVS environment. The article covers setting up the profile containers with Cloud Cache Drive, but in this instance, keeping it completely on-premises with the HA provided by two servers on-prem rather than Azure. I actually just posted a blog post with some real-world examples of using FSLogix app masking to solve some pretty common problems, I would think, in enterprise IT. So you might want to check out that blog post too. I know, shameless self-promotion, but I figured I'd sneak it in there. As always, thank you guys so much for listening.